0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're talking week 10, fantasy football projections using the power of our game level similarity projections app here on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Cabin. It's the weekly show where we tell you what the beautiful machinery of our GLSP app has to say about this weekend's matchups. Uh, just to overview the week quickly, there are four teams on by. And then week 10, it's the Baltimore Ravens, Cincinnati Bengals, New England Patriots, and New York Jets. Uh, so, you know, with the Ravens, it may be a little bit of a blessing uh, because, you know, kind of keep trotting out this familiar cast of characters, and most, people, most of their players have been underwhelming of late. The Bengals uh, being off, not missing that week uh, from Jamar Chase, uh, that's nice. Although, you know, plenty of Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow uh, managers are probably, you know, scrambling to figure out how they're going to replace those points. You know, Patriots and Jets, you know, they've, they've got a little bit of appeal uh, in pockets from Andre Stevenson. Probably the ouchiest uh, uh, player to miss in New England, uh, along with Jacoby Myers. And then the Jets, man. I mean, Garrett Wilson has reemerged. And, um, you know, we've had some pretty big weeks from Tyler Conklin of late. So there are some players that are noteworthy that are missing a little bit less painful uh, than the atrocity that was uh, week eight uh, when basically half the league felt like it was on by Dave Cabin's going to help us steer through all the data as usual. Um, maybe just some lighthearted banter to get us started. Dave, Jeff Saturday, now the coach <laughs> of the Indianapolis Colts, fresh off, uh, a high school coaching job. Um, it, it's nuts, man. I feel like this season is the gift that keeps on giving.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess on one hand, right? Like if you want to find a nice way to take all of the pressure off of any expectation to hire a coach out of high school, I
1: guess. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's, it's been kind of fun. Like, everyone's been honing in on this sideline video of Peyton Manning just yes, absolutely yes. tearing Saturday a new one for being too, uh, I guess, overzealous about the the offensive line play calls back in their days in <laughs> Indy together. But, um, man, I was at least hoping that, that we would see, you know, Matt Ryan back under center to maybe, yep. I, I don't know, just – be the defibrillator for that offense and um you know spark some life back into michael Pittman, and you know hopefully a a soon to be healthy jonathan taylor but we're still going to get the sam Ellinger show for the rest of the year they are clearly in full tank mode so uh our fantasy squads and and the listeners fantasy squads are not in tank mode other than maybe some of those uh purposeful dynasty squads at this point so let's highlight some of Week 10's expected All Star performers, and uh, also, you know, maybe sneaky sits uh, that are not showing up with with favorable projections this week, Dave. And let's start with the quarterback. What you, Steve?
2: Oh man, I uh, should have left it in. Man. I should have left, left it in. <laughs> I didn't want to be rude. Let it play out and cut you off. But, Just do it again. Just do it right, again. Let's do and it. Then start with the quarterbacks. Okay. All right, so. Talking quarterbacks this week as Curtis and I started to look through this list uh, before we started recording determined that there weren't really any players that stood out as streaming options that you would absolutely, you know, be totally psyched about putting in Uh, Justin Fields who on ESPN leagues is available uh, at least heading into this waiver wire running more than 50% of of leagues with a 20.1, putting him in the top five, just actually the top four behind Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady, 29% of his matches went for more than 25 points. So hopefully we can see Justin Fields continue to remain hot. GLSP gives it a decent probability. Um, Aaron Rodgers, who very honestly, Curtis, has not been a weekly starter has a pretty decent floor this week with a 15.8 25th percentile projection. Uh, Ceiling is somewhat capped at 22.3 versus what you might see from some of the players ahead of him on the list. The player that is probably going to stand out the most if you're looking for a streamer and you're in a league where Marcus Mariota is likely to be rostered is going to be Jacoby Brissett with an average of 17 0.9 0.9 points. His line actually expects him, uh, and Cleveland is playing the Dolphins. He's expected to put up 247 passing yards, 1.4 passing touchdowns, uh, 19 rush yards and 0.3 rushing touchdowns. That gets him with a very solid floor, Curtis is just 10% of his matches, failed to get to 10 points. He had 29 between 10 to 15, 27 at 15 to 20 even has 18% of his matches going for more than 25 points. So that's pretty impressive for him. Beyond there, um, you have Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff, just falling outside of fringe QB1 territory. Uh, Garoppolo with an average of 17, Goff at 16.8. The only other major note that we had here was, and obviously you're playing him no matter what, but against the commanders, Jalen Hurts comes in at quarterback sixteen with an average of just sixteen point eight. Still does have some upside as twenty percent of his matches went over twenty-five points. Uh, but thirty-three percent, which is the bucket with his largest distribution, were just between ten to fifteen. So there's the potential it could be a little bit of a slower week. Of course, as we talked about, the DST GLSP also sees Washington keeping Philadelphia in check, but you said that you would take the over on the line that it produced.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think uh, of the players you mentioned that would maybe be stream worthy. I actually, I actually like Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit better than Jacoby Brissett. Uh yep. The dolphins could force a game script uh, where, you know, he, he gets in catch up mode and, and goes crazy. But you know, the Browns have been pretty good at controlling game script on their own um as well. And so, you know, this is this is also a game where it could be the Nick Chubb show and they try to neutralize, you know, the number of touches uh that the Dolphins offense has, uh, you know, and really slow that game down. When I'm looking at that defense too, you know, they've uh they've allowed six rushing touchdowns over the last five weeks, um, which is actually more than the number of touch uh passing touchdowns they've allowed over the same period. Um when I'm looking at Jimmy G and that San Francisco team at home, and we talked about this, I think on yesterday's show, just just the idea that he could get some of those checkdown touchdowns to Christian McCaffrey. You know, we have George Kittle healthy, we have Brandon Ayuk healthy, potentially d- getting Debo Samuel back. I think there's just a lot more ways that uh, Jimmy G could, uh, I, I guess, achieve some ceiling um, here. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I mean, it's it's a, I mean, it's not like a huge. Uh, Delta between the two of them, but if if I, if they were both available in my league, I was looking for a one week streamer, you know, I would, I would put the priority in whether it's, you know, which order am I going to use my fab or whether it's actually my waiver priority uh, list, I would put Jimmy G just slightly ahead of Brissett personally.
2: Yeah. I think that's, that's a perfectly fair take uh, to frame up this week with those are all the notes that we have on quarterback Um, at running back Curtis. Uh, there are a couple of names that stood out to me and I think we'll probably spend, as we said, more time this week on running back and wide receiver um, you know, than, than maybe we even normally do in comparison to the other positions. When you first open up the tool this week, you go to the running back tab and then the all players tab. There's going to be a couple of interesting players that stand out on the first page. Now, Eli Mitchell Uh, if he were coming, if he, I believe we might see him back into action. Of course, this projection now is really muddied by the fact that Mr. Christian McCaffrey is there. Uh, so I think that, uh, the play I would make this week is if I really, 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 really needed to put in Mitchell, I still might not even do it. Uh, any thoughts on that Curtis? before we move on?
1: I mean, it just there's been so many injuries, you know, and I think the league format matters. I, I'm in a couple of these 14-team leagues, man, and it just makes you feel so bad about yourself. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> so, so you can relate to the need to potentially actually put him in.
1: Yes. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, there 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 was a league last week where I, I had to start Isaiah Spiller. I mean, Me too. you know, there's there's some leagues out there where you know, it's just crazy. You know, there's a league where I started Jeff Wilson in Week One in Miami, not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely think there's some scenarios where you know you might have to start him, um, and, and it's you're you're going to be so desperate at the, I mean, at that point, like you know, he's looking good, man. It's like, you know, you're you're not going to choose him over another viable option, but if you're at the point where you're wondering can I start Elijah Mitchell?
2: You probably should. Okay. All right. (laughs) Point taken. All right. Progressing on for Mitchell. There are a couple of interesting players. We still have Jamal Williams for what feels like, I think might be, it's at least the third. It could be the fourth straight week finishing inside of RB one territory in the GLSP And how does it arrive at this? Uh, As you might suspect, it really likes his chances of getting into the end zone. 70% of his matches scored a touchdown against opponents like Chicago. 78 yards um, and then seven yards receiving with one reception. That's good enough to get him um, into a range where actually 10% of his matches went for over 25 in a 75th percentile outcome, we could see him at 17.5 points. Has a pretty solid floor of 9.1 points in his 25th percentile projection. The other two names that stand oh, out hold on. to me. We
1: got, we got to stop there for okay. a second because okay. uh, layered on top of this. Uh, I mean, running backs have scored nine touchdowns against the Bears in the last five weeks. Nine, eight rushing and one receiving. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's. That's got to be, you know, figuring in here somehow. And, you know, I think the GLSP has done a pretty good job of identifying some of Williams potential spike weeks. And, you know, as a reminder, I mean, he does have three RB one weeks on the season uh, of 22 points or or greater and two other, you know, RB two weeks. I mean. It's kind of crazy like he's RB15 on the season man uh Jamal Williams um of all, of all players so yeah i like this uh yeah, i i know swift um after having really light duty this past week you know maybe there'll be some chatter toward the end of the week about him being used more heavily uh, after you know a lot of beat scrutiny etc but you know w- williams is the guy that they seem to be more comfortable with and you know the bigger body backs are the ones that have been scoring the touchdowns against You know, the Bears in these past uh, few weeks as well. I mean, you see Brian Robinson getting in the end zone. You see Ramondre Stevenson getting into the end zone. You see Jeff Wilson getting into the end zone. I mean, I can definitely see Jamal scoring a touchdown this weekend.
2: Sure. And then interestingly enough, right behind Williams, we see DeAndre Swift coming in. So the, the note there is just that this looks like a very good setup for the Lions running game we also have Tony Pollard making his way onto the first page for I believe yeah, yeah. the first time this year uh you know as far as the workload of Zeke is back do we actually have clarity at this point on on Zeke do you have an update on that Curtis I
1: mean I know Jerry says Zeke's gonna play um, okay. it's it's kind of hard to I mean that's he's the loudest voice in Dallas and the one that everyone ends up uh <laughs> writing about so he says Zeke's gonna play okay. Um, You know, when I look at the backs specifically against Green Bay, um, you know, Saquon put up 19.6 five weeks ago. Brees Hall put up 20 points. Antonio Gibson put up 16 points. uh, In the last five weeks, those are the three best performances. And it's by no surprise that those are the three best receiving backs. Um, And and not necessarily from a skill set perspective, but in terms of their usage, uh, they're the three most oft used uh, receivers out of the backfield. Um, that Green Bay has faced in the last five games. And they outperformed the likes of Devin Singletary and Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, uh, who have been uh, the opponents in in the past couple of weeks. So I think that certainly leans a little bit uh, more in favor of Pollard. Um, you know, see a really efficient game, uh, both from Saquon and Antonio Gibson's, where, where they only had, you know, 10 and 13 rushes respectively, but still put up those good uh, numbers. So this could also be the type of game where, you know, Zeke and Pollard both get theirs um, if, if Zeke is truly healthy. I mean, it's not like Green Bay is going to run up the score and force Dallas to to throw the ball a lot on the road.
2: Sure, and interestingly enough, the tool has both backs uh, with around two or so targets. Uh, we could see more uh, around 14 rushing attempts, 70 yards and about a half of a touchdown. Uh, So it likes Pollard a little bit more, but it does see both of these players as being able to have a solid outing. The final name on the front page from running backs I think is worth calling out here. Uh, Cordero Patterson returned to action, already had a great game. And if you look at what the tool is expecting for him this week against the Panthers, sees 15 attempts, 67 yards, and then 0.7 rushing touchdowns. On top of that, we can see him doing some work as a receiver. Uh, So he has a bit flatter of a distribution than some other options that you're going to see in that upper echelon this week, but does come with a 75th percentile of 17. Does have some downside though. 25th percentile is at six and does have 46% of his matches going below 10. Nonetheless though, If you have C Pat on your team, I'm pretty sure he's, he's an auto start for you.
1: I feel like this is a weird thing that happens every year. I feel like Atlanta and Carolina play each other like two out of three weeks every year. It's (laughs) like this crazy thing. I mean, they just played in week eight and and here we are again, uh, this time in Carolina, uh, Patterson wasn't available the last time they played two weeks ago. Tyler Algier did score 17 and a half PPR points. Um, You know, thanks to uh, about, let's see here, 85 uh, yards from scrimmage and receiving touchdown. Uh, So he got there. I mean, the Panthers have allowed quite a few big games to running backs from a a fantasy perspective. Even if you take Joe Mixon's explosion out from last week, I mean, Tevin Coleman, of all people, put up 21 points against them five weeks ago. Jeff Wilson had a 20-point game. Daryl Henderson um you know even in the the pop gun Rams rushing attack scored 13 points against him a couple years ago, or a couple weeks ago so yeah I don't know I mean Patterson did have a nice week last week um you know but from from like a you know a, a game uh situation you know perspective you know Algier was still really involved so sure. um, it was the first week back for Patterson this is the the big week that I think is going to be telltale for the rest of the year with those two guys as well. If we're thinking beyond week 10, were they just easing Patterson back in last week? Or do they intend to have more of an even split with Algier having looked, uh, you know, I think slightly better than okay um, as as time wore on and he got more involved in the offense. I'm personally interested in that.
2: Sure. Uh, We have both dolphins running backs um, coming in pretty strongly this week relative to other backs. Both look like they should be pretty, uh, you know, good RB twos. Jonathan Taylor um, with the with the new coaching regime there. If he does play, uh, with an average PPR of ten point two points, does can we have just
1: make him dump the ball. Can can we please just check the ball down? To I'm just Taylor? hoping that we they just, just make it happen.
2: Yeah, or, or maybe we just get a situation where Saturday is just like you know what, we're going back to the roots here. We're just gonna hand off to our man, Jonathan Taylor, every play? I don't know, man. I don't know if that's what we want,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, to be I honest.
2: I really don't think that's what we want. I
1: think what, what we want is him uh, yeah. telling Ellinger to stop with the happy feet and and just chuck it to Taylor four yards away about 30 times. Right. So the Austin, Austin Eckler plan.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll take anything we can get here. Um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire... Rounds out uh, at around 9.3 points. He is coming in at RB 28. Behind him, you have Antonio Gibson and Aaron Jones. I don't think we see any other uh, surprises. We're looking at the second page other than Justin Jackson, who sits there as clearly the tool is liking Detroit's chances uh, this week and expects them to perform pretty solidly on the ground against the bears um, unless there's any highlights for you, Curtis, we can move on to the page three here. I
1: think uh, the one little thing to monitor, you know, with Aaron Jones is, you know, the injury. Um, and so, you know, if he didn't play then, you know, cause I mean, you know, the app doesn't know that he's banged up. So if he doesn't play, you know, we could kind of choose to look at him and I mean, like consolidated, consolidated opportunity between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon against the Cowboys might be uh, a little bit more interesting, you know, D- Dylan uh, when he's had those big games, it's been when he's super heavily used. And I mean, that's like the ultimate duh statement for the big body backs. And obviously like, you know, the volume uh, begets the production, but, you know, I think there's, there's obviously a lot of um, th- there's something to it over the course of NFL history that sometimes these big backs, you know, you give them all of these extra touches and over the course of a game they wear down the defense. I mean, Derrick Henry, obviously the most famous current example. Yep. So that that would be pretty interesting if if Jones were to sit out, get healthy in a year where the the Packers are underperforming. And then, you know, maybe we see a Dylan eruption. So Dylan has not been a player uh that the GLSP has has liked much this year, uh, and for good reason his usage hasn't really, you know, Hasn't really uh, dictated much confidence from his fantasy managers either, but um, you know, pay attention to the newswire. I I would feel very confident starting Dylan. Um, if, if Jones was out, I mean, regardless of what our projections or any other sites yeah. projections say, I think you got to pencil him in in that scenario.
2: Yeah. So I guess the, the piece of context there too, that we probably need to add is that Dylan has not recorded a touchdown since week one when the Packers played the Vikings As a result of that, that is going to destroy a player like him in the GLSP uh, as it's, you know, really not able to match him with any players that are seeing significant touchdown volume. Therefore, they're pretty inefficient at scoring fantasy points. You're not getting matched with a great cohort there. uh, But naturally, without Jones in the lineup, becomes a much more intriguing option. Continuing along... Uh, as we well, start, and, oh, go ahead. Yeah,
1: the only other, yeah, the other thing that I would say is, I mean, you know, he he's averaged a touchdown, you know, maybe every 35, I'm just doing like napkin yeah. math here, staring at some of the tools here. I uh, like every 35 carries or something like that, maybe every 30 carries um, over the first two years of, of his career and just the one rushing touchdown, 98 carries in this season. You know, we were, we were talking about last week, Joe Mixon potentially have an opportunity for some correction. And then lo and behold, you know, that happened. So I I'm not, not predicting a 55 point week for AJ Dillon, but you know, at at some point, you know, these things have a way of, of, you know, evening themselves out over the course of the large season long sample.
2: Sure. So Devin Singletary continues to come in now much lower than he was earlier in the season. He has an average projection of 8.5 points. We see Rashad white at 7.8 that, you know, feels like the type of projection you might expect. Continuing down along by the time you get to page four, which is where we do see AJ Dillon, you also have Brian Robinson this week at just 6.1 points and also notably Daryl Henderson at just six points. Uh, I'm not sure that beyond them at running back, there's really much else that we need to hit this week. Perhaps it is notable to some people that uh, Derek McKinnon is at just 5.5 points, so well behind CEH. But really, we've kind of already talked about with the Chiefs how ugly it's been as of late.
1: Uh the only other player I would mention uh does have a ceiling in double digits. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I've I've noticed that yet, but I haven't looked at this player too much because of uh his snaps being low uh up until this point. But Rashad White has an eleven point ceiling uh okay. in, in the tool now. And we saw, you know, it look a little bit more even. Uh, with him and and Leonard Fournette uh, this this past week, you know, if I'm looking at opportunity market share, uh, that gap is really closing. Um, I mean, it, it basically it basically looks like two lines ready can ready to converge in our player uh, usage uh, tool. And if I if I just look at the um, uh, the weekly snaps as well, you know, that's been uh, changing a little bit more in in Rashad uh, White's favor. As well, that gap closing between him and Leonard Fournette. Keyshawn Vaughn even got on the field for a couple of snaps last I saw week. That, yes, so so that's that's kind of interesting. Um, I, you know, I, it, it's kind of like like the Elijah Mitchell thing. You're not really feeling great about starting Rashad White right now, and if if you have to, it's because you're desperate and you probably should. Um, and you know, Sean's talked about this over the years from a, from a zero RB, you know, and and structural uh, situation and some of like the big field uh, tournaments, when you draft some of these players and, and your team is structured in a way that, you know, you end up needing to use them before it feels comfortable. That's how you end up capturing some of those huge blow up games rather Mm -hmm. than having them occur when they're on your bench. And so with a player like white in particular um, you know, if you're forced to start him, um, this week you don't know i mean if if it's the week that him and, and leonard fournette flop rolls, uh it, it could be you know the the start of a steamroller that's happening for you here in the second half of the season we're driven by the search
0: for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
3: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA a AM member FDIC.
2: Definitely. So if we transition over to wide receiver, um, there's a couple of interesting names finding their way into the first page. Uh, again, we have Chris Olave finishing in the top six. Just wanted to note that. Uh, but as we continue down... Uh, Amari Cooper with 16 and a half points is a name that we haven't had a chance to talk too much about lately, but behind him, uh, in the middle of wide receiver one rankings, we have Juju Smith Schuster with 16.3 had 24% of his matches going over or going between 20 and 25, then 14 over 25. So again, we're seeing things click there. We have DK Metcalf on the first page, but a more surprising name might be, Devonta Smith, who a couple of weeks ago, uh, the tool liked, he ended up having a wide receiver two day that week on the year. Curtis, uh, has just one wide receiver, one performance. That was a 31 point score against the commanders back in week three. Uh, but has, you know, been a lot more silent, if you will, compared to AJ Brown, he's actually projected with an average of 15.8 points This week, and I'm going to head over to the comparison tab and actually take a look at Smith versus Brown just to get a sense of what separates them this week. Um, okay, sorry, you actually have AJ Brown coming in at wide receiver three. Um, both players, though, with more than 15% of their matches going over 20. So though it was a bit of a down week uh, for Jalen Hurts, and a lot of that might have to do with the tool not seeing enough rushing upside for him, it does really like the receivers.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I mean, you kind of said it there too when you were sort of talking about uh, Devonta. I mean, they've already played the Commanders uh, this this season, and in, in that game, uh, Devontae Smith actually out out targeted uh, and and outperformed. A.J. Brown, um, that game has been so long ago, I can't remember if it was a function of, of the commanders maybe keying in on, on Brown a little bit more heavily. But, I mean, that was, you know, arguably the best game of Devontae Smith's career in, in week three. So, you know, kind of keep that in mind here uh, with, with the GLSP also liking him. I mean, he went eight receptions, 169 yards, and a touchdown uh, in week three, 205 air yards he has not crested 56 air yards in any other game this year. So he was just totally used differently against that commander's yep. defense. So something to keep an eye on.
2: For sure. Um, a couple other names here as so we start to move down the list that stand out. We have Alan Lazard coming in at wide receiver 17. Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver 20 with an average of 15 Point two, and actually, is thirty percent of his matches going over twenty points, uh, which actually beats out Debo. So he's he's a little bit ahead of Debo this week in the tool. Uh, but it's exciting, Curtis, to see Darnell Mooney coming yep. in around wide receiver. I think that's twenty two right there with an average of fourteen point three points. Now, this is a fairly favorable um, matchup for. The Bears passing offense facing that weaker Lions defense. Mooney is slated with 7.8 targets, 5.1 receptions, 72 yards, and 20% of his matches found the end zone. You do see an interesting thing in his distribution, however, where 56% of it is sandwiched between 5 to 15, but then he gets a little bit of a pickup with 15% of his matches going over 25. So that's one of the more interesting distributions that you'll see at the wide receiver spot this week, but overall exciting to see Mooney getting um, this high up in the rankings. Other names that it's exciting to see on the second page, you have Rondale Moore with an yeah. average. Oh, go ahead. It sounds like you want yep. to interject there.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's what I was hoping you were going to say. Um, you know, he's in there at wide receiver 29, um, you know, for his, uh, for his average this week. And, and, you know he's really been. I think he's he's become an every week must start now. Um. You know he's he's a, a player that you have. You know if it's a start wide receiver three league, you're putting him in the wide receiver spot. If it's a start two wide receiver league, he certainly uh, warrants flex consider consideration every single week now. I mean dating back to week five now, uh, he's wide receiver eighteen. Um. You know so over the past five weeks, wide receiver eighteen, and if you just look over the past two weeks. Um, it's even you know more impressive. He's wide receiver seven over the past two weeks. So um, you know, getting back into the slot with the return of, of DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, you talked about this a little bit last week. You know, I think that you know he really could potentially be blossoming into that, um, you know that that short yardage PPR machine that everyone envisioned uh, when the Cardinals invested the high draft capital in him back in. Uh, 2021. So yeah, I, I love seeing him here at wide receiver 29. That actually feels low compared to how he's been performing of late. Um, but it also speaks, you know, that, that he's showing up as a starter in the tools now and not just in our brains.
2: Definitely. Now, George Pickens finds his way into uh wide receiver 30 range with an average of 11.4 points. This is a range where you do have a little bit of a fall off in terms of upside. Uh, Just 10% of his matches going beyond 20 points. Still, though, a 75th percentile projection of 15.1 points. Uh, The model likes him more this week than it does Deontay Johnson. Pickens expected to go for 7.3 targets, 4.7 receptions, 53 yards. 20% of his matches scored a touchdown. And of course, there's also the added element here of Chase Claypool not being there to take away some of the work that would be picked up in these prior weeks. Continuing along, uh, as we get to the third page of wide receivers here, um, Gabe Davis scoring a little bit better this week than he did last. We might talk about him more when we start to break down the passing matchups. Uh, Paris Campbell, Michael Hardman, both projected with around 11 points, which might be exciting for some of the managers that need them to fill in for them this week. Cortland Sutton, one of the names coming in yeah. to- down towards the bottom of the third page, probably worse than you would like to than you would like to see him as one of the first players that stands out as as a guy that could could disappoint. And Curtis Samuel, who we talked about very favorably, yesterday uh, projected as the wide receiver 45 with an average of 9.7 points but only has 14 percent of his matches going over 15 so it could be tough sledding for him against the eagles as one might expect Uh, i'll pause there curtis in case there's anybody that you wanted to to talk about
1: yeah i was just um you know i got caught in your pause there i was trying to figure out what I wanted to say about George Pickens, but, um, you know, we're now, you know, we're now two weeks past, um, the chase Claypool trade and the Steelers had a bye week. Um, and so I think we could be, we could be headed for a situation where George Pickens actually starts to truly break out. Um, now we've seen, you know, the ridiculous athleticism, um, and, and he's definitely like had his moments, thus far in the season. I mean, he's actually like on an individual play basis, he might have one of the better highlight reels of any of the uh, wide receivers, not in terms of just like the long plays, but just like the ridiculous athletic catches that he's made. And so, you know, an extra week to work, uh, you know, he's young, you know, Pickett's young. This offense is trying to figure out its identity. You know, the run run game has not really been getting together. You know, I think there's a chance that they could become a little bit more of a pass happy offense and, and, Feature their best weapons and I mean their best weapons are Pickens and Friar and Deontay Johnson and you know we now have a situation where we can keep that specific trio on the field a little bit more so um, I like being reminded about Pickens you know he's kind of a player that gets buried on your bench a little bit uh, in season long because of the buy and because he hasn't had like the, the huge games but it's nice to see this is the value of the GLSP in uh, and, and my mind at this point of the season, because it's reminding you of the upside that some of these players have, um, even if they haven't shown it in the, in the box score uh, quite yet. So I love seeing it. Highlight Pickens as a a mid wide receiver three. I'm going to have to look at him a little bit more closely in some of the leagues where he's kind of in my flex rotation
2: for sure. So now we're at the point where we can highlight some players that it doesn't like who you might be considering or still holding out. Hope could put up higher weeks. Uh, the first player I'll call it here, Drake London, uh, 26% of his matches failed to get to five points, 46% went between five and 10. Not that we're expecting huge things out of London at this point. Uh, but you know, I'd imagine there's some people out there that might need to get him into lineups that are still holding out hope. Uh, of course, if you go back to, I'm just going to quickly run down, The evolution here of his of his season started off with 12.4 points against the Saints, put up 24.6 against the Rams, then 14.4 against Seattle in week three. Since then, Curtis, his best performance was 7.5 points in week five against the Buccaneers really has not done a whole lot. Another player that the tool is not expecting to do a lot is Michael Pittman, Jr., uh, in fact, just 6% of his matches get past 15 points and, uh, just 22 are over or in the 10 to 15 bucket, meaning you have less than 30% of his matches going for more than 10 points. Not what you like to see, uh, Michael Gallup, Alan Robinson, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, Chris Godwin, Robert Woods, other players in this range. Godwin is the wide receiver 34 on the season has failed to become a wide receiver one at any point this year, Curtis and has been a wide receiver two, uh only two times this year. Um, didn't play uh, has missed one uh, weeks, two and week three. I actually don't recall if the team had their buy. Uh, But Chris Godwin has not been giving you what you probably were hoping for. And the tool does not like his chances of doing so this weekend.
1: Yeah. Godwin feels like, uh, you know, Tampa had signed Cole Beasley earlier this season when they were in a lot of trouble. I think he didn't, he was only in town for a week or two uh, and didn't really stick, but you know, that's kind of what he's doing. Like he's getting 10 points every single week. Um, So the floor is there. I mean, you know, you you got to start him, but, you know, this matchup with Seattle, it's, it's a tough one, man. And I know I know Tampa's at home and they, they just want a game and come from behind fashion. You know, maybe it's going to ignite them and the offense is going to, you know, take a, st- a step forward. We've seen Tom Brady start really slow a couple times in his career and then figure it out. But, man, the Seahawks are a tough squad to get it right against. In the past five weeks. Uh, they are the stingiest opposing defense to wide receivers from a fantasy production standpoint uh and and twenty seventh in expected points uh which obviously means that they are pretty good at keeping those receivers into an inefficient uh situation i mean thirty second in receiving yards allowed um it just it's it's not a good situation only like two receiving touchdowns allowed to wide receivers over the past uh five weeks and then we also um see that they rank. 30th and uh, air yards uh, to uh, opposing wide receivers over that same stretch that actually might help Godwin as opposed to, you know, Evans uh, from that perspective.
2: Yep. So I think we can make our way over to tight end now, unless you want to want to stop me in my tracks here.
1: No, I think you hit, you hit all the, you know, you hit all the names. I think at tight end, what's really exciting is, is to see some new some new faces uh, popping in the app. Uh, finally, you know, on the strength of a couple strong weeks, um, you know, Greg Dulcich. Uh, you, you've been talking about him a, a couple weeks now. Tight end two uh, in the eyes of the GLSP this week. Kate Otten, who uh, has put up a more than a handful of solid fantasy performances now. Dave also coming in at tight end five, and then you already talked about Mooney. You know, with the emergence of Justin Fields. Well, Cole Komet all of a sudden has been like a major fantasy factor at tight end the last two weeks. Um, and so, you know, he now is showing up as a mid tight end one and the tools as well.
2: Yeah. So just to add a little more color here uh, to what you just said. So Dilsich has an average projection this week or his, I, I should say like this, his comps averaged 15.2 points. That is a huge amount of points for a tight end Uh, in a given week here. Not to state the obvious, his line against the Titans calls for 7.4 targets, 5.6 receptions, 74 yards, and 40% of his matches found the end zone, giving him a 75th percentile projection of 20.7. That is not something you see every week in the tool in a floor 25th percentile projection. Of nine point seven, so very exciting stuff there. He actually comes in behind David and Joku at an average of fifteen point six. Then we see a bit of a fall off. You have Travis Kelsey at twelve point two, Hawkinson eleven point nine, but Cade Auden at eleven point four. The young tight end for the Buccaneers uh, in their matchup with the Seahawks is expected to put up forty eight yards, four and a half receptions, and forty percent of his matches found the end zone. So definitely helped out by having the potential to get in the end zone. Um, If you're looking, though, at the different thresholds, things do fall off pretty quickly for him, has 38% of his matches going between 5 and 10, 23 between 10 to 15, uh, 13 between 15 to 20, and then as you might expect for a tight end, things fall off significantly from there. But that's still a really exciting projection to see, and as I've mentioned before, sometimes Especially with these younger players, it's not so much that, uh, it's not so much the specifics of their GLSP for that week. It's just that they've managed to make their way into the upper echelon yeah. in a given week, which often can be a signal of things to come. Uh, other players that I think are notable here we have Kyle Pitts actually coming in fairly highly this week, um, Evan Ingram. Might be a player that you're interested in, has an average of 8.7, could be a fringe tight end one. Uh beyond that, I'm not sure that there's anything that stands out to me as particularly unusual. Uh two kind
1: of wrap-up notes on on uh a couple of the players that we focused on at the position. Um, Greg Dulcich, you know, we've seen uh, one other tight end, uh, you know, kind of unlock that ceiling. Um Uh, remind me who the Broncos are playing this week. Um, Titans. Yes. Tennessee. Yeah. Against Tennessee. So yes, Kelsey bullied them last week, but five weeks ago, Mo Alley Cox of all people, (laughs) uh, put up his 85 yard two touchdown game. Uh, so it's not, I mean, you know, you know, any, any tool that's tracking and trending, um, is, is going to like, you know opposing defenses after they face Travis Kelsey, right? Because yes. I mean he, you know he tilts he tilts the averages. But Moai Cox had a big twenty plus point game as well. And then when you look at Cole Komet, I mean the Lions are a pretty tasty matchup for for tight ends. Not necessarily from a ceiling perspective, but uh, in the past five weeks, uh, in each of those weeks, we've seen the opposing teams uh, tight end one score at least uh, nine PPR. Uh, they've been you know, very rock steady between nine and 13.9 PPR uh, over the past five weeks. The Lions' uh, worst, or I guess most favorable, but worst performing fantasy defense in terms of fantasy points over expectation allowed to opposing uh, tight ends over the past five weeks as well. And they have allowed four receiving touchdowns to the position, which is obviously one of the things that's driving that number. And Comet is all of a sudden a touchdown machine. So look out.
2: <laughs> touchdown. When you get to hear a player's a touchdown machine, I mean if that doesn't get you excited, yeah, <laughs> then I, I don't know what does. Um anything anything else from you? Or uh, I, I think I have said my piece for this week. Nah, man. That's it. All right. We will be back then uh Thursday. Well, we will record Thursday evening for Thursday night. Football to have a passing game matchup preview out and ready for everyone on Friday morning. In the meantime, feel free to send us any questions that you might have in advance of that show, and we can uh, you know, answer them, do a little bit of a dive if needed, and break down these passing game matchups. Thank you for listening to the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at CabinF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
3: Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement.